Good morning, everyone. Again, good to be here with you. Uh, excited to talk about joy today as we continue this Christmas table series that we do have joy at the table of God and joy at our tables as we invite people to them. And part and through that, we're inviting people into that great table that we will all feast at one day with the Lord forever. Um, so we have a joy at the table. Now, I have to sort of uh, confess something kind of, uh, it's just, I think it's sort of funny. Don't worry, not like a big, big, uh, big sin issue or something. But uh, I, <laughs> so this whole, and sorry, I've been, we're gonna get through this today. Hopefully it's gonna be better for you than it is for me with my <laughs> issues. But I was sick last week and I've just been sick all week and we're here and we're making it happen. Uh, so, um, but, but I'm okay, so just bear with me. And, but I was, we were preparing for this whole series. Now, we know that these, like, these Advent weeks, this is sort of like a liturgical calendar thing as they go hope, peace, joy, and love through the Sundays of Advent, and I know that, and I also knew I wasn't gonna be speaking uh, next week, and I knew I would be sharing the second week of Advent, and then I didn't intentionally, and I have to promise you, that even though joy is like my favorite thing, and I literally wrote a book called God Joy, and that this is what my house looks like right now. Uh, <laughs> so don't, yeah, that's fine. But it's fun, I love, I like, joy is like my favorite, right? <laughs> uh, and Joy Bennett and I were gonna like arm wrestle over who gets to like have joy day be about them. No, but <laughs> it's not about us, it's about the Lord, but, um, but in all of that, I just had totally scheduled the Sundays where I was going to do hope and then joy and then Matt Doan would do peace next week, even though that's, and then Josh Wathen at our meeting was like, isn't that the wrong order? And I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> yes, it's totally the wrong order, but I take the Bible very literally and I take the liturgical calendar less literally. So it's all good. We can change the orders around a little bit, but I just like thought it was funny that from me, the guy that loves joy, just very accidentally stole the topic of joy away from Matt Doan. Um, but it's okay, he's a man of peace, and so he will bring peace to us uh, next, next week. But uh, I, I love this passage of scripture that kind of gets us into this a bit, Romans 15, 13. If you wanna turn there in your Bibles, uh, you can. Um, but Romans 15, 13 is this beautiful passage of scripture that kind of walks us through a lot of what these Advent um, weeks are about. And it says, uh, I pray that God, the source of hope. So God is the source of hope. Where we find our hope is in God and in God alone. And may, that, may God, who gives us that hope, may he fill you completely with joy and peace. So this beautiful prayer that God, the one who we find hope in, may he fill you completely with both joy and peace. That is this prayer over you that I'm praying, that, 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 that Paul is praying, that God is praying over you, that you would have joy and peace. And then it says why? Because you trust in him. So as you continually place your trust in the Lord, he will fill you with joy and with peace. And it says, then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
So this God is the source of hope. He will give you hope through his joy, through his peace. And so today, it's this hope for joy that we'll talk about and how that's connected into this whole thing of the Christmas table and this sort of first Christmas table, the first Christmas table of the nativity scene, of the manger scene of that first Christmas table. It was filled with joy. We see the word joy all through the accounts in the scriptures of the very first Christmas story and who was invited to celebrate in that. As we talked about hope in that last week, there's joy in that this week. So we first look to the shepherds, all right? So turn your Bible again to Luke 2. Uh, Luke 2, we'll be in Luke 2, Matthew 2. We'll jump around a little bit. We'll get into Nehemiah 8 also, shockingly, uh, if you know why. Um, But uh, Luke 2 here. I love, I'll actually just go back from verse 10, go to verse 8, and it's this classic passage, right? That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, and here's the key. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. That this, this thing we celebrate, Christmas, is good news. This is the good news. And it is good news that will bring great joy. And not just to you, to me, but to all people. This brings great joy to all people. And so this whole story, this whole, um, this gathering of people at the, the manger there, at the birth of Jesus, is a celebration of joy for everyone, that God has come to bring good news for everyone. And so we remember that. And I, I love, too, the way then that the shepherds go out So the shepherds come in with this invitation to joy at this sort of first Christmas table. And then what they do is then they go out in verse 20. It says, the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. So they they go out. The way they go out telling everyone about this, just glorifying, praising God, worshiping him, just filled with this joy that they've experienced, and they go out with joy. The way that they invite others to the table is with the same joy that they were invited to it themselves, right? So this is just a beautiful day of joy, a beautiful celebration and season of joy. And so may our invitation be as filled with joy as the shepherd's was as well. And I think about kind of a lot of times of, do I invite people, even when I consider how I share the gospel with people or I talk about Jesus with people, you, you sort of have a, an opportunity to either consider it like to be like bullhorn guy, like, and now you kind of think of like the guy on the soapbox in the town square with the bullhorn, right? Shouting, you know, turn or burn, repent or die, that kind of, that kind of message, right? There, <laughs> there, there is that kind of message. There's that kind of invitation. But then 
I also think of, or would we rather invite people to a meal around our table and to talk with them about the joy that we have in Jesus? There might be a place sometimes for the turn or burn, but I think the vast, vast majority of the time, it is a, a warm, joy-filled invitation. Now, I don't think we really have much of the soapbox bullhorn these days, but we have like social media, essentially. So just consider your life and consider how you share the love of Jesus, how you invite people into this. Is it with the same joy that the angels invited the shepherds and the shepherds went out with? So I'd love for us to consider that. Let's have coffee with a friend and invite people to a, a, our, our dinner table and then invite them to the feast table of Jesus. So that's the shepherds. Now let's consider the joy of the Magi as well. Uh, I love that it's Luke 2.10 and then we just skip a little bit back to Matthew 2.10 for this story of the wise men. Now, I'll again maybe pop back a couple verses. Uh, it says, so you've got the, the wise men are there with King Herod. They've traveled all the way to, to this region of Bethlehem. Um, and it says, after this interview with Herod, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So I love that the same joy that the, the shepherds were invited with, it's also this same joy that these wise men from the East are experiencing and feeling when they see, oh, this star we've been following has finally stopped in this place, and we get to go there and to be with this one we've been searching for and looking for for so long. And then they go and they give gifts. I saw this funny meme that said if it wasn't if it was wise women instead of men, it would have been like diapers, wipes, and like formula or something. You know, I, like something more useful <coughs> than gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But this has a lot of rich symbolism as well. Uh, so we, we just, uh, I, want, I want us to consider, do you remember the joy that you experienced when you first encountered Jesus? When they first see where the star stops, where the child was. Do you, do you remember that sense of joy you had when you first encountered Jesus? And to recognize that, and to think about that, that sustaining, strengthening, fulfilling joy that you have in the Lord. And that you can continue to have that joy as we remember who Jesus is why he came, there's so much joy that we find in him. And I think of this kind of joy and even as we consider kind of like the table and this Christmas table and being invitational into our homes and our lives and the story of Jesus and how he impacts the story of our lives as well. But I think of that story of Mary and Martha. And in that story, you have a party happening at, at 
someone's house, right? Mary and Martha's house. They're, they're hosting a get-together. And maybe this Christmas season, you're hosting a get-together at some point, a, a dinner party maybe or something. And it's like there's always the fun of the party and then there's the stress of the party, right? There's like the, the stress of hosting. And Mary and Martha are putting on this party and Martha is the one that's sort of experiencing the stress of the party, and Mary's enjoying the joy of the party. And Martha's doing all the work, and she's busy, she's busy, she's doing all this stuff of the, the cooking, the cleaning, the, the decorating, whatever that is, like in, in our parties that we're having these days. And that's part of it. You got, somebody's got to do that stuff. But she also gets a little, like, I think a little bitter that Mary gets to just kind of enjoy, because Mary's sitting there, sitting at the feet of Jesus, just listening to him, soaking up his words, looking into his eyes, just being with Jesus. And that's so awesome. And Jesus actually says, Mary has chosen what is better, to just be with me. To be with Jesus is the right thing. And I think what, what I think we can get from that is like in the midst of this, this season of Christmas that for a lot of us is got all sorts of like great stuff and then it always has some sort of like family baggage or issues, but it also has like busyness, right? Busyness, work, people are coming over and I like, I host, we host our, what we call Christmas Eve. This year we're doing it on the 23rd because I work on Christmas Eve. <laughs> uh, but, uh, <laughs> but, but like, so we host my side of the family at, at my house and we'll do that on the 23rd and it's like I love it Swedish meatballs we we cook we have like awesome food and time together but like sometimes I can get very Martha-ish in the midst of it right I'm like worried about all the things coming together or if the meatballs don't turn out right or 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 uh <laughs> I actually don't care if the lutefisk doesn't turn out right because if you know what lutefisk is, it's a Swedish tradition of this disgusting lye-soaked fish. Uh, and uh, nobody really likes it, but we cook it to honor my mother. So um, <laughs> it's there. But it's that kind of stuff, right? If you, you better cook the lutefisk to honor your mother. <laughs> like that kind of stuff that's like involved in this. But I can get so, if those, if those things don't turn out well, I'm like, am I having a horrible night? Or have I even just completely even forgotten the notion of Jesus being part of this at all? And that can be so common for us. And that's the, the issue with Martha and that story. It's the issue for us as well, to remember that our joy is in Jesus. We do all these celebrations because of him. And so that whole remember the reason for the season stuff, let's not put that out on like the world to remember and say Merry Christmas to us. Who cares? Let's try and remind ourselves of why we do all this stuff is to celebrate the joy we have because the God of the universe was born in human flesh and has come to be with us and to give us the grace and love that we don't deserve at all, but he wants to give it's a beautiful reason to celebrate. So let's just, I, I encourage all of us, and very much myself included, to remember what we're doing and why we're doing it, that we have joy in the Lord. And we celebrate that joy in the Lord with a feast at his table, at his table. We will probably have feasts at a lot of our tables, but we celebrate at his table. And I want you to consider your life. The highs the lows, the struggles, the really hard times, 
the moments of contentment and peace. That there is a joy that can be had, that can be experienced in all of these times, the good and the bad, that will sustain you and strengthen you. A joy that gives you strength. A joy that lifts you up in those valleys. And a joy that gives those mountaintops a sense of meaning and purpose. It is my favorite joy. It is the joy of the Lord. And so I want to tell you this story and to read these verses of Nehemiah 8, 9 to 11. If you want to start trying to find that in the Old Testament, you can. But this story is the people of Israel. And the people of Israel have been uh, conquered through war by their enemies and taken away from their land, kidnapped from their land and taken away into exile into another land. They've been in Assyria, Babylon, the Persian Empire, have all ruled over them and taken them away in exile. And then after a long, 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 long time, they finally are given permission by this global empire to be able to go back into their land. And as they then get to go back into their land and establish their nation, they're rebuilding their nation, they're rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem, and they are also rebuilding their faith. Because they, while they were in exile, uh, it says a little later in Nehemiah 8 and 9 that they had forgotten their feasts of these religious feasts that they would have, their, their practices of remembering who God is and what he has done. They've strayed from that. And so as they come back into the land, they're, they're being reminded of who they are. You are the people of God, the chosen people of God. Remember who you are. And so what happens is you've got this guy, Nehemiah, who is the kind of the more like civic leader, the governor, and then Ezra, this, the priest of the people, and then the Levites are all these other priests. And it says, hey, come on, guys. I want to gather all the people together. Let's gather, and they gather inside the water gate and in this courtyard area, and they all stand up, and they stand up from early morning to midday, it says. All day they're standing up, or half the day, standing up, listening to the word of God being read to them out loud. So they're just standing there, all of them, listening to the Torah. First, about however much of the first five books of the Old Testament you can get through in about six hours or something like that. So imagine, like, our services, you know, hour, 15, hour and a half, whatever, you, you, you probably are like, oh, you're gonna make me stand up again, right? Like, oh, okay, so up and down, like that kind of stuff. And we're like, oof, this is a little long. These guys, six hours standing up, just reading the Old Testament, the boring bits, the whole deal, okay? So you're just listening to the word of God being read. And what happens is as they're listening to the word of God being read aloud, the people just begin to weep the people begin to cry and weep because of the way God's word is impacting them. Because I think what's going on is they're being reminded, this is who you are. You are God's people. You are his sons and daughters. You've been called to follow him in his ways and to live your life in a certain way, a way that follows his law, a way that pursues him, that puts him first above all else, 
And I think they weren't doing that. And they're convicted of that. Maybe feeling guilty about all that. And they begin to weep and cry. And then it says here, Nehemiah 8, verses 9 through 11. I'm going to read from the NLT. It says, Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites, who were interpreting for the people, said to them, Don't mourn or weep on such a day as this. For today is a sacred day before the Lord your God. For the people had all been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. And Nehemiah continued, Go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And the Levites, too, quieted the people, telling them, hush, don't weep, for this is a sacred day. So the people went away to eat and drink at a festive meal, to share gifts of food, and to celebrate with great joy, because they had heard God's words and understood them. I, I think this has so many interesting and amazing, like this is obviously a passage that I love, that I've based like a book on, but it has so many, I think, really beautiful and incredible um, kind of connections to Christmas and this whole notion of the Christmas table, that we are, we are confronted with the word of God. The words of God have come to us, and maybe we have strayed from those words and strayed from his ways, and as we hear that, we should not just weep, it might start with weeping, but to turn that into a celebration. For this is a sacred day, it says. Just this, this day wasn't sacred before, it's just a day. But it's a sacred day now because of how God was ministering to them and impacting them. As they are here in this moment, as we approach a sacred day of Christmas, may we then eat the fat and drink the sweet, share gifts with others, share gifts of food with other people. Why? Because we have been given a joy from God that gives us strength. If we've been in exile, if we've been defeated, if we've been down, if we're working hard to rebuild our lives like these people in some way, we can just trust and have joy in God. Because he will be the one that strengthens us. He will be the one that sustains us. And that strength and sustenance should then kind of multiply the joy. And literally the Bible prescribes to enjoy a rich holiday feast. So have a great meal. Share drinks with one another. Share gifts of food with one another. And enjoy that time and celebrate that God is good. And so I want to invite you to celebrate that God is good in all times. And what we celebrate is Emmanuel, that God is with us. Emmanuel means God with us. The God of the universe chose to come and to be with us. And that is what we celebrate together. And that is what we will one day celebrate eternally. I love uh, some of these passages that speak of this great banquet, this great feast that we will have 
one day with the Lord. Let's read this passage, or just, just listen to me read this passage of Isaiah 25, 6 through 8. In Jerusalem, the Lord of heaven's armies will spread a wonderful feast for all the people of the world. It will be a delicious banquet with clear, well-aged wine and choice meat. There he will remove the cloud of gloom, the shadow of death that hangs over the earth, and he will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away all tears. He will remove forever all insults and mockery against his land and people. The Lord has spoken. The Lord has spoken. We will one day enjoy that feast. There will be no more crying, no more pain. You can read more about that at the end of the book of Revelation. This beautiful new heaven and new earth that God invites us into to be with him. And I love, I love the sort of the imagery of this rich feast, this banquet. But I also love the way that Revelation 3 speaks of this. And it's a little different. It says this. This is, the, this is Jesus speaking. And he says, look, I stand at the door and knock. Imagine Jesus himself. He's, I'm here. I'm knocking on this door. If you hear my voice, he says, and open the door, I will come in. Invite him in. He says, I will come in. And then, I love this, and we will share a meal together as friends. Jesus and you will share a meal together as friends. So there is a, there's a place of a big banquet, which we all love a big party at some level, but maybe a lot of us would think, wow, that sounds even better. Sharing a meal together as friends. Jesus and I, I just imagine it for some reason breakfast. Just like, just breakfast each day together. Just relaxed, enjoying that intimacy of being with him. We will have that one day. Our brothers and sisters, the people that we love who have passed on are having that right now. We will have that one day as well. Isn't that beautiful? I think that's beautiful. And I pray that each one of you will experience that, to have that, that, that oneness, that, that friendship with God. He is transcendent. He's worthy of all of our worship. He invites us to a great banquet, but he also invites us to sit and have a coffee. And I love that. We are friends with Jesus. So I pray that you would experience that, and I also pray that that's what you would be inviting others into. It's that. It's a, it's a meal with Jesus. It's a meal with you to share a meal together as friends as an example of, of that moment and to share the joy that you have in Jesus. May we all live in such a way as this. Can we pray? Oh, Lord God, I am just in awe of you, the beauty of your word that you've given us with these just wonderful images and metaphors of 
what eternity will be like, but also what each moment now with you is like as well. So I pray that we would experience that, that intimacy with you in the here and now as much as we will forever and ever in eternity, God. And Lord, I pray that you would show us how we can be a light for this to others and to be a, just a messenger of your joy. May that be lived out in our lives as well as in our words, Lord. We love you. We give you all of our worship and praise. In Jesus' name, amen.